Hello, friendly people. It's me, Ryan, back with another episode of I Want to Watch the Very Best because Gotta Watch Them All was, as you know, taken. So I had a curveball thrown at me recently. Work schedule's gonna be really iffy. I think I mentioned that last time, but especially now, it's gonna be oof for doofers. But I may actually also have time to watch and record notes on episodes while I'm at work, which is going to be very beneficial to me. Another issue that's presenting itself is we're, like, actually halfway through Indigo League. The issue with that is that um, Netflix doesn't really go past the halfway point. And the other website I'm using is great for getting stuff that is just not published by Pokemon anywhere, like the Dratini episode, or the Jinx episode, or even the Porygon episode, which you know they're never showing anyone ever again. But it's not really great for episodes that I can find higher quality elsewhere. Now, somewhat rest assured, I do actually have a DVD copy of the Indigo League, but that's where it stops. I may have the Orange League, but I'm not really sure if I do or don't, so I guess I'll find out. That just means I have to go out and go DVD hunting, which shouldn't be too bad, just a little bit annoying, you know? The biggest issue it presents is that um, on my phone, it is very difficult to watch via the other website. Netflix has that thing where you can like have the video playing while another app is open, and I use that to have Notepad open and type my notes in there on the phone. But it's going to be a little bit harder with the other website. But don't worry, I will manage, and you will get your quality content one way or another. I promise you, that is a... Ryan Geyser guarantee. Wink. Other than that, there really isn't much to say this week. I've been pretty, pretty, um, words, pretty unoccupied outside of this and another project. I've been playing a little bit of Elden Ring recently. That's fun, but I know one of the people watching this has not played it yet and is going to have to wait a while before they can. So I'm going to, I'm going to be all shh just for them. Just for you, buddy. I know who you are. I'm very bad at it, though. I am very, very bad at Souls games. I also have Anime Boston coming up, and that could potentially be interesting. Um, I don't think there's any Pokemon-specific guests showing up, but I don't know. I don't think they've released the full cast yet. Like, I, I know just recently, like, um, the Lava Crew, which is an improv group that some voice actors do, has recently joined in the attendee list, so they could update it all the way to the end of the month. I'm not sure. But just like PAX, I'll be sure to tell you all about it because uh, it's just fun to talk about, you know? Helps me get my thoughts in order. Okay, that's enough rambling for me. Let's get right into today's episodes. Episode 43, The March of the Executor Squad. Synopsis. What luck, the carnival's in town. And performing in it is a magician who does terribly. Trying to help, the group suggests he make a Pokemon-focused act. What could go wrong? As stated in the synopsis about a second ago, our heroes arrive in town just in time for a carnival. They marvel at all the activities, when Ash says, Let's show these people how to really party, with him and Brock ripping off their clothes into the air, momentarily concerning me, but then reassuring me when I see they've just changed into very frilly, flamenco-esque outfits. Misty and Pikachu, not wanting to be associated, do some activities on their own. Walking past the circus tent, they hear a woman demand to be paid. The man she's talking to says he can't now, but he promises too soon, causing the woman to quit, saying his show is just too awful. Misty checks on the man who was slapped. 
they did an incredible job of having him sound like the most pathetic person in existence. Don't leave, I need you. Excuse me, are you alright, sir? You're a kind person, aren't you? Well, no, not especially. I'm such a beautiful girl. You'd help me out, wouldn't you? I need your help so badly, and you'd be so perfect. Wow, pull yourself together. You're the only one who can help me now. He then begs for her to become his new assistant, introducing himself as Melvin the Magician, a name that really fits him. He performs an appearing flower trick for Misty, explaining that his dream is to go on to perform in Las Vegas. Placeholder or actual name for a city in Unova. Moving on. Misty agrees, but just for the day, with the two of them heading on stage. Misty, dressed in a Goldine-styled outfit, is grateful that the crowd is only like five people, so no one will see her. Then Brock and Ash walk in. Pikachu, also dressed up on stage, is happy to see them. Ash sarcastically compliments Misty's outfit, and the heckler demands that the show start already! Melvin calls out the Pokemon part of his show, Execute, and begins juggling them, displeasing and disappointing the crowd, who yell at him to do magic! Pikachu helps the build-up by making an electric backdrop, then Melvin sticks out his staff to create flame. He does, but only like a tiny little puff of it. After some boos, he tries again, launching a giant fireburst out of it. Ash and Brock are amazed, but everyone begins panicking when Melvin goes mad with power and starts fire blasting everywhere. Fire! 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 Nearly hitting the audience before the sprinklers go off and douse everyone. The crowd throws stuff at him and leaves, with the carnival manager firing him. The group feels just so sorry for him, and Misty tries to cheer him up. But Melvin dejectedly says that he should probably give up his dreams. Then Ash jumps in, yelling at him to not give up, and instead just try new ideas to make the show good. Ash does say something right once in a while. Say what? They then all offer to help Melvin come up with new tricks. Team Rocket watches them for a second, and then it's back to Melvin, who makes flowers appear from his staff. Initially, everyone's impressed, but then the flowers all sadly fall to the ground dead. I don't know, make your routine a comedy act, and then BAM, Vegas, here we come! Look at what Penn and Teller did, like, they have one cool trick, but the rest is a comedy act. Instead, he immediately becomes depressed again. Ash then has an idea, and decides to put on a Pokemon magic show as an example. He then dresses up like a genie, something that he would get kicked out of a Halloween party for wearing today. Using his Pokemon, he makes different elements appear out of the box, blasting Melvin with each of them, fire, water, etc, etc. However, cramped together, the Pokemon start to fight each other, with Charmander accidentally flamethrowering everyone. Moving on from that, Ash examines Execute for ideas, saying they don't seem to do much. However, while staring at them, he is slowly hypnotized. Melvin, telling his Pokemon to stop, also notices Ash listening to him. Testing it, he tells Ash to spin around and act like a Bulbasaur, which he does. Brock and Misty are very confused, while Melvin goes mad with power again. He then has Ash cart him and his execute to a nearby forest as Team Rocket watches. Following the cart tracks, Misty finally realizes that Ash must be hypnotized and continues to chase. Melvin has Ash stop in front of a herd of Executor, battling the entire horde for Melvin to capture. 
I'd like you to battle these executor for me. Yes, Master. Charmander, Squirtle, Bulbasaur. Attack. Melvin then plans on hypnotizing the whole carnival, forcing them all to see his show. He would kill if he thought he could get away with it. But before he can, Jesse and James appear, putting on a small but impressive vanishing act as they say their motto. They then say, If you were a real magician, you'd be able to do tricks like that too. <laughs> Sick burn. As the rockets start to tie Melvin up and steal the executor, his execute hops over to help him, evolving into an executor as well and hypnotizing Team Rocket. They try to turn away, but look into the eyes of the rest of the horde, getting forced into a trance. Fun fact, the reason it could evolve without a leaf stone is implied in the Japanese version. There's some implication that the forest is full of leaf stones, or at least has a similar evolutionary power, letting the Pokemon evolve. But the English dub just skips over this. Anyway, back to the executor. They unfortunately all begin to hypnotize each other, creating a horrible feedback loop. They then all begin stampeding away. Melvin is trampled, somehow becoming untied in the process. Misty and Brock dodge out of the way, seeing Team Rocket running with the horde of trees. They then run over to find Ash and Melvin, with Pikachu zapping Ash back into awareness. The group realizes that the Pokemon are rushing uncontrollably towards the town, and when the group arrives back, see that everything's been destroyed. The manager then warns them to leave, pointing out that the executor are turning around and coming back. He then says that he planted a time bomb in the clearing to blow up just as the Pokemon reach it. WHY DOES HE HAVE A TIME BOMB?! The group are horrified and decide to stop the stampede from certain doom. Ash sends out his starter trio, with Squirtle's water gun refreshing them, and Bulbasaur's razor leaf just giving them new hair leaf thingy cuts. Charmander's flame seems to be the only thing that snaps them out of their trance, so Charmander just starts blasting them. Unfortunately, Charmander is worn out quickly. Misty then realizes that Melvin can use his fire wand to wake them up quicker. He's initially worried that he'll just make things worse, and most likely also just go mad with power again. But after a pep talk and seeing how hard Charmander worked, agrees to do it. The two then combine their fire, waking up all the Executor and Team Rocket. The Pokemon return back to the forest, taking the evil trio with them, while Melvin's Executor returns to him. The bomb goes off with no injuries, and Charmander suddenly evolves into Charmeleon. Say bye to the cute cooperative Charmander, because we are one step closer to Ash's super sassy Charizard. And it's a strong start, with Charmeleon immediately blasting Ash with fire. Everyone laughs it off, not knowing that its small lizard heart is now filled with rebellious intent. Maybe even murderous intent along with that. Melvin waves goodbye to everyone as they leave, not facing any consequences for his actions. Team Rocket, meanwhile, continues to be swept away by the Horde in closing. So this episode is fantastic just because of Melvin. They did such a good job of playing him as the most pathetic loser I have seen in a show without it dipping into depressing territory. Even just his name, Melvin, it fits him so well. No offense to any Melvins out there, though. It's definitely a case-by-case -case name, but this one, Melvin fit him a little bit too well. Plus, we get Charmander evolving, retrospectively a massive event for the series, as this is when we get Ash's famous grumpy Charizard. 
The grumpiness of his Charmeleon and Charizard was definitely just a way to keep the rest of his team relevant, as he definitely just used Charizard all the time if it listened to him at first. But the episode is a very entertaining one, and worth the watch for a multitude of reasons. And next up is... Episode 44, The Problem with Paris. Synopsis. Meeting a medicine girl along their travels, the group attempt to help her evolve her Paris in order to collect the Parasect's mushrooms for healing purposes. Team Rocket attempts to evolve it as well, for both a potential monetary reward and as thanks for saving Meowth's life. The main group arrives in another one-off town that has its name said once, with Ash ready to just walk right past it. Frog reminds him, however, that they're out of healing items and need to restock. The other two say, Okay, sure, let's get food too. Misty and Ash argue, and then they rush off. Team Rocket spies on and plans to ambush the three, but Jesse and James realize that Meowth isn't following them, with us then seeing that he is very ill-looking. The two Rockets yell at him to move, but stop when Jesse burns her hand on his coin. They then plan to just leave him there and grab Pikachu, saying he has eight more lives left anyway. Just as they're about to ditch him, a voice yells at them to HOLD IT! The voice is coming from a young woman, who scolds the group for trying to abandon their Pokemon. Team Rocket laughs at her for thinking they're the cat's trainers, and out of nowhere introduce themselves as SUPERHEROES. She ignores their display at pretending to be Ronin and continues to yell at them. The woman then mixes together a herbal remedy, as Meowth develops a sort of crush on her. After leaving Team Rocket some pills for the cat, she skip walks away. Down in the town, Ash's group enters a seemingly empty medicine shop. Walking to the back, they see a witchy-looking old lady, who offers them snake root instead of healing potions, saying it will grow hair on one's nose and tongue. Before she can offer more, the girl from earlier, Cassandra, arrives and tells her grandma to stop scaring the customers. After a quick bit of Brock hitting on her only to be ignored, she then asks Ash to battle with her. Team Rocket watches them all emerge from the building through binoculars, with Meowth keeping an extra eye out for Cassandra, to the other two's exasperation. The medicine girl sends out Paris, which seems immediately scared of fighting Pikachu. After Ash comments that her Pokemon doesn't really seem to want to battle, she tells the three that she wants her Pokemon to evolve into a Parasect, but it's too cowardly to fight. This is a shame, as she plans to use Parasect's Mushroom to develop the new kind of Pokemon Healing Potion. Meowth says that he wants to help her achieve this goal, with Jesse predicting he'll make a fool of himself, but James sympathizing with him. Oh, I understand. You must think this Cassandra's the cat's Meowth. That ain't funny! Don't be shy. I know exactly how you feel about her. You don't think I'm an idiot? You might say that Cassandra's one female who knows how to treat a feline. I was so unprepared for love. Well, Cupid's arrow strikes when you least expect it. Ash tells Pikachu to throw the fight to help it evolve, and the two engage in combat. It's kind of fun how Paris rolls their R's. I can't do that. It's just fun to listen to. Paris, Paris, Paris. Ash is about to have Pikachu zap the crab thing, but stops himself by worrying that Paris can't take it. Paris then tries Stun Spore, but Pikachu instinctively dodges. Ash is about to have him attack again, but then tells Pikachu to just make a tiny little bit of static. This knocks it out instantly. Oh, oh no! Hey, that wasn't fair! But it was humiliating. What a pathetic Paris. 
Checking Paris's type, Ash decides to use Squirtle so the mushroom crab has a type advantage over him. Squirtle gives like a tiny pipette's worth of water squirt on it, and it faints again. He then sends out Charmeleon, which we know is a bad idea, but let's see what happens. Ash asks it to, hey, hey, go easy on the Paris, but it just glares at him as the group slowly realizes how big of a mistake this is. Charmeleon then incinerates Paris and knocks it away with its tail. Paris runs away in fear as Charmeleon shoots out some victory fire. Ash asks what's wrong and gets fire blasted as well. Just as Charmeleon looks like it'll do something else to the scared group, Pikachu electrocutes it and temporarily subdues it long enough to recall it back to its ball. Ash apologizes to Cassandra for Charmeleon, but the group puts a pin in it for now and goes to look for Paris. Meanwhile, the running bug goes right up to Meowth. After a commercial, the group meets back at the house, none of them able to find Paris. After Brock inquires, Cassandra tells everyone that the potion she wants to make with its mushrooms will let Pokemon basically have a plus one to all stats. Which is meaningless because we never see that potion, ever. Oopsie boopsie. Back in the woods, Jesse and James look pretty unimpressed with Meowth's new Paris friend. In order to convince them to help, Meowth says that when they make the potion, he'll become the company mascot as thanks and would make the other two his managers, causing the two to agree to help for financial gain. While Jesse and James laugh at all the money they think they'll make, Meowth imagines and explains to Paris that he just wants to spend his life with Cassandra before being pulled back into reality by a cheek pinch. Meowth suggests that Arbok and Weezing help Paris train, since they're good at losing. I can't do that unless you lend me Arbok and Weezing. What do you need those two for? Because <laughs> losing battles is their specialty. He's got a point. They're bigger losers than the guy who invented homework. How did we get stuck with such rejects? The plan works out, with Paris thinking it beat the two of them, as Team Rocket celebrates to encourage it. Paris quickly goes mad with power, and proudly climbs on top of a tree, just as Ash's group runs close. They say it's weird that Paris suddenly seems so confident, and it challenges Pikachu to a fight. As his trainer warns him to go easy, Paris steps on Pikachu's tail and nearly gets zapped to death as a result, with Ash stopping Pikachu moments before a counterattack, as the Pokemon then plays dead instead. Ash then sends out Charmeleon again for some reason, but of course it ignores him and just starts scratching its face with a foot claw. The grandma walks over out of nowhere to tell Ash that the reason it's not listening is because he sucks. While Cassandra tries to surrender quickly, knowing that this Charmeleon is going to kill her. Ash gets fire blasted before Charmeleon can be recalled, and Paris just barely dodges the flaming barrage. The Rockets, worried about their money, quickly dress up in a cheer squad outfit to perk Paris up. Let's hear it give a cheer for our ace, the great Paris! Paris, Paris, stomp and stamp! You bet! Paris, Paris, that's our champ! Charmeleon, having waited surprisingly patiently until now, chars Team Rocket. Paris then tries to run away as Charmeleon intimidatingly walks towards it slowly. Paris gets cornered, and right as Charmeleon is about to kill this thing, it panics and jams a claw into the lizard's stomach, surprisingly knocking it out, then evolving into Parasect as a result. Everyone cheers for Parasect, but Charmeleon, having recovered, immediately targets and tail whips Team Rocket right into the sky. Don't know why it chose them of all the possible targets, but sure. Parasect then uses Spore Attack, despite that not being an attack, and puts Charmeleon to sleep. 
Cassandra vows to begin work on her potion, and the grandma warns that Ash needs to become stronger. They all wave goodbye, and as soon as Ash's group is out of earshot, Team Rocket falls from the sky behind Cassandra. Inside, she fixes up Meowth and asks how she could possibly repay the group for their help. Just as Meowth suggests becoming the company mascot, Cassandra angrily yells that she'd never take Meowth away from Team Rocket, who she still thinks are superheroes. And besides, they already have a mascot, a Persian the grandma just found in the backyard three seconds ago. I found this Persian snoozing in the backyard. It's adorable. Cassandra promises to take care of the Persian just like she would have taken care of Meowth to the evil trio's sadness. We end on an oddly quiet note as Team Rocket just calmly and sadly walks into the sunset as the narrator kind of mocks them. Thanks, dude. This episode's actually a good one. It's pretty funny and Paris' situation is kind of cute. Putting on mock fake losing battles is a fun, dumb concept that hadn't been done in the anime yet, and it works out entertainingly. I see why they do it again later in the series. However, this is an especially fun one due to Charmeleon just throwing a wrench into everything. Now, fun thing about Charmeleon. This is the only episode where he's a Charmeleon the entire time. The next episode he's in, he becomes a Charizard. And it's kind of a shame, I like Charmeleon. While Charizard is disobedient until there's a worthy opponent, Charmeleon just has murder in its heart and mind as seen here, and I would have loved to have seen more of that. And for those of you wondering why Charmeleon becomes disobedient, it's actually because of the fact that it's following the disobedience mechanic in the games. In order to prevent you steamrolling everything, traded Pokemon higher than a level corresponding to your badge will often not listen to you, either not attacking or using a different move. And Charmander, having previously belonged to Damien, is technically a traded Pokemon. Technically, so are Bulbasaur and Squirtle, but maybe the fact that they're unevolved makes it not a problem. Now, I think this is a great way to show off this mechanic, and I understand why they chose Charmander to do it as opposed to all of the other ones. Charizard is a fan favorite, so they had to show it off. But they also couldn't have Ash just use it to blow through every fight and problem with no issue. So make it disobedient and BAM! Kill three birds with one stone! The only thing that makes it a bit weird is that Char literally owes Ash its life, but eh, I'll take what I can get. Was worth it for the Damien episode, I still love that Charmander episode. But enough about that tangent, we'll see Charizard later. For now, we see Charmeleon, who, despite being super violent and menacing, is animated really adorably in some parts, like when he's knocked down, stunned, put to sleep, or even breathing fire. He's just an adorable, chubby little murder baby. But yeah, definitely a good episode. Meowth acts a little uncharacteristically, but maybe it's just because someone besides his team showed him any form of kindness. Either way, the whole episode was a great setup just for the ending, with the grandma being like, Look at this cat I found in our trash five seconds ago. He's our mascot and my friend now. Moving on, we've got... Episode 45. The Song of Jigglypuff. Synopsis. Getting frustrated with a sleepless city, the group journeys outside and encounters a Jigglypuff. Learning of its ability, Team Rocket then decides to utilize it in a new scheme. Ash's group finds themselves trudging through a desert at night. A desert that does not exist anywhere near Kanto in the games. Thankfully, they soon see their next destination, Neon City. A very obvious Las Vegas parody, but with bits of New York City thrown in. 
Just as Brock is explaining that the city remains active and brightly lit 24-7, Ash bumps into a shirtless, jacket-wearing guy walking past. The man yells at him to watch it, and Ash yells at him back! Brock encourages Ash to just apologize, but neither side backs down. Just as tensions reach their peak, Officer Jenny rushes over on her motorcycle, breaking up the fight. She then warns that the group find a hotel to stay at quickly, getting really angry and exposition-y. Then you go find yourselves a hotel or something. People around here are pretty short-tempered. Short-tempered? They're on edge because they stay out all night and don't get enough sleep. Team Rocket is also walking through the city, and James bumps into the same guy Ash did. James yells at him, then the man jumps on his back and starts punching his head. A very large woman then walks right into Jesse, and says Jesse hurt her, then picks up the Rocket member and starts spanking her, while James continues to get punched. Meowth just watches horrified as the title screen appears. In the morning, our heroes awaken from the hotel, only to find everyone outside still awake and arguing, while Jenny tries to stop them. The group then decide to leave the city quickly, heading into the woods right next to the city! What is this topography? Sahara-like desert leading right into a northeastern US-esque forest? Nah, I don't buy that one. While walking along, the three see a Jigglypuff hop along the path in front of them, stopping on a tree stump. Misty declares her desire to catch it, and sends out Staryu to battle. After Psyduck comes out for a second first, but she puts him away. Staryu hits it with Double Edge, slamming the pink Pokemon into a tree and causing it to cry. After it's calmed down, Ash uses the Pokedex to learn that Jigglypuff is known for its singing. Misty asks it to sing for them, but it stubbornly, and justifiably since it was just beaten up, refuses. After some pestering though, the group learns that Jigglypuff can't sing. Misty apologizes for attacking it, and Jigglypuff hugs her happily in forgiveness. Before Misty just coldly says, Who wants a Jigglypuff that can't sing? With the Pokemon crying again in response. Dang, Misty, right in front of it? That is cold. Misty then suggests that they all teach Jigglypuff how to sing, while Team Rocket watches. James knows that its singing puts people to sleep, so they plan to record Jigglypuff's song to put everyone in Neon Town to sleep so they can steal their stuff. They then dress up in some kind of band performance-style clothing and reveal themselves to the group. Pump it up to the max. As Team Rocket, and we fight for what is wrong. We're tired of our motto, so we thought we'd try a song. Jesse! Jane! The, the speed, speed of light, light prepare to fight! Meow! That's right! I am the handsome one. I'm the gorgeous one. Looking good is lots of fun. I loved that so much. The visuals that went along with it were fantastic too. Team Rocket tells the three that they need one of Jigglypuff's songs, and Ash defends the Pokemon with Bulbasaur. 
James has wheezing use poison gas attack. But Bulbasaur vine whips it, spinning it in a circle and making it do this. It ends up spraying the rockets, with Staryu shooting them into the distance with Water Gun. Misty then begins by trying to teach the Pokemon how to sing with a basic music scale, with Pikachu trying as well. Pikachu! Mika! Jigglypuff gets jealous and kicks Pikachu, but nobody notices. Misty then tries to teach it breathing control with a balloon, but it seems reluctant, so Misty shoves the blown up balloon into the Pokemon's mouth, causing it to puff up and then fly around deflating. Brock then finds a fruit that helps sore throats, and this plan actually seems to work with Jigglypuff singing a little bit. It then kicks Pikachu without getting caught again. The group then put Jigglypuff on a stump and ask it to sing. It does, putting the group to sleep and giving us a song that many people know well. Jigglypuff, 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 Jigglypuff. Team Rocket then sneaks up with a boom mic, recording the song. When Jigglypuff finishes, it's enraged to see its audience asleep and grabs a marker from Ash's bag to start scribbling crude drawings on their faces. It does the same with the sleeping Team Rocket. Later, the group awakens and screams at their faces, then notice that Jigglypuff seems upset that they fell asleep. Misty tries to apologize, and Brock suggests that maybe certain Pokemon wouldn't fall asleep. But everyone's mom does, including Psyduck, who at first they believe stayed awake, but Learn was just sleeping with its eyes open. Team Rocket also wakes up, and find that they only recorded themselves snoring. Brock then suggests that they bring Jigglypuff to Neon Town, since no one there seems to sleep, so it's worth a shot. Which Team Rocket is absolutely thrilled about, since the twerps are just doing their plan for them. In town, Ash's group is having trouble finding an outdoor stage. So Team Rocket, dressed in punk rock outfits and speaking with amusing accents, offer to loan theirs. Hi, we heard you're the ones who are looking for an outdoor stage. Huh? Yeah, that's right, we are. You can go ahead and use ours if you want to. Revealing a stage with sound and light equipment that definitely cost a few hundred thousand dollars. The group is excited to let Jigglypuff perform on it. Setting it up in the center of the city where there's no other traffic, Team Rocket plugs in some earplugs as Jigglypuff begins singing, its voice reaching the whole population. Everyone gradually begins to fall asleep, and I can only pray that no one was driving fast or performing surgery or something important like that. Team Rocket's earplugs also fail, and they pass out with the rest of the city. Jigglypuff finishes its song and scribbles angrily on everyone in the city's face. When everyone awakens in the morning, Ash's group notices that not one person stayed awake and wonders where Jigglypuff went. But seeing everyone calm down and apologizing to each other, including the man who bumped into Ash, they decide that it may have helped everyone. Even Team Rocket seems pretty happy, brushing off their failure and leaving with a new pep in their step. Well rested and happy at leaving a recovered city, the group wonders where Jigglypuff went, hoping to maybe see it again one day, while it secretly follows behind them. So here we have the dawn of another running joke. For many an episode, we will see Jigglypuff just show up. 
a lot of times they don't even do anything and the characters don't even know they're there, but they are. Most of the time it just causes problems, though. What bugs me the most is twice Misty says she wants to catch it, but she never does. She had plenty of opportunity this episode, let alone all the other times Jigglypuff appears. But after this episode, she never has any desire to catch it ever again. She's more just afraid of it, like it puts the fear of God into her. Regardless, this is an eh episode. It has a lot of nothing moments that don't really amount to much. The best part is 100% Team Rocket's song. Other than that, just eh. Sets up a reoccurring gag and not much else. Okay, next up we have episode 46, Attack of the Prehistoric Pokemon. Synopsis. Joining a fossil expedition crew, Ash becomes the victim of a trap set by Team Rocket, trapping him and the Rockets in an underground cavern. But their feud might not be their main concern, as the past comes back to haunt them. Coming up to a canyon, the group sees a large line of people with mining gear heading into it. Just as Ash is wondering what they're all doing, Gary Oak, dressed as Indiana Jones, comes up to call Ash an idiot. Gary tells the trio that this area is in the middle of a fossil discovery rush and hurries down to not be beaten at discovering something. I gotta go. I gotta find all the fossils quick before anyone else does. Can't waste my precious time hanging around with a loser like you. Loser, Easy. Ash! Ash, jealous at Gary being Gary, decides to join in the excavation as well. Brock has some doubts about disturbing the dead, but Misty says, ah, fossils probably need some fresh air anyway. I think it's your brain that needs fresh air. Who asked you? As the group is bickering, they don't notice that Jigglypuff seems to have followed them. It tries to sing, but grows angry when it sees that the three have already left. In the canyon, Gary manages to dig up a fossil, proudly bringing his find to the head researcher, believing it might be a brain. This is... A brain? It's fossilized Pokemon manure! Huh? <laughs> yes! Wow! Interesting to know that Pokemon canonically make waste. Gross, but valuable info to have in an online debate. Ash and Misty see all the diggers and want to hurry down themselves, while Brock wonders if the fossil rush is even real, since no one's really found anything yet. But before they join the miners, they hear Meowth talking just a bit to their side. The cat is wondering, oh, what's taking those unreliable humans so long? Moments before the two pop out and say they're done. They then give their motto before Meowth stops them at the end for wasting time, saying they probably didn't even plant the dynamite. Jesse hits him back, angrily saying they did. James then explains their plan out loud to the two other people that already know the plan. Blow up the canyon and steal all the fossils that are unearthed. Overhearing this, Brock and Misty rush off to warn the excavators, while Ash and Pikachu go to stop the rocket trio. Just as Ash runs up to them, Meowth has already lit the fuse. Ash has his Squirtle try to put out the blaze, but he keeps missing the fire, so they chase after it. Sending out their own Pokemon, Team Rocket chases after them before James trips, sending all of the runners into a giant rolling ball that lands right in front of the dynamite, the fuse closing in on it. Pikachu tries to act fast and zaps the dynamite, which 
everyone in the pile, including Pikachu, quickly realizes was a mistake, as an explosion rocks the canyon, creating a giant fissure that Ash, Team Rocket, and all of their Pokemon fall into before rocks bury it. Misty and Brock run over to see if their friend is okay, finding only Squirtle, who lets the two know that Ash is down under the rubble. Jigglypuff sees the rock pile as a stage, and is about to cause more problems before the rock pile thankfully falls apart, angering it further. In an underground cave, Ash and the Rockets slowly wake up, taking stock of their surroundings. Jesse and James blame Ash, while he blames them back. Meowth then argues that they should instead focus on making it outside, pointing out the blocked entrance. James then begins chuckling. <laughs> James, it sounds like you have an answer to our problem. Hmm? We're all doomed. Huh? Uh, that's not the answer I wanted to hear. As the group tries to think of a way out, Pikachu points out a bunch of ominous eyes appearing from the dark, revealing a very tired-looking horde of Kabuto, Kabutops, Omanyte, and Omastar. Keep in mind for later that the Pokedex says that these Pokemon have never been seen alive, because it makes some other fossil things later very interesting to consider. Team Rocket is momentarily overjoyed at the profits they could make, but everyone quickly realizes that the Pokemon seem pretty ticked off, realizing that the dynamite must have woken them all up. Jesse and James try to capture them, but their Pokeballs are just swatted away and into Meowth. The prehistoric Pokemon begin to approach aggressively, so Ash sends out Charmeleon to attack. But of course, it instead just lays down bored on the rock, ignoring the fight. Oh sure, you're 100% down to murder a tiny Paris, but not a horde of dinosaurs. Charmeleon is a hardcore sadist. The horde begins chasing after the group, nearly murdering all of them, while Misty and Brock beg Officer Jenny for help. She says that bulldozers won't be able to reach, and runs off to get even more help. Brock grunts in frustration, and sends out Geodude to help move the- Hey, wait a second! Brock has an onyx, which he said in Snow Way Out, burrowed a tunnel into a hot spring. Why can't he just have onyx dig a tunnel to ash? I mean, I know why, it's because then we'd lose the episode plot, but still! Anyway, down below, the trainers try to battle, but struggle against the ancient Pokemon, with Charmeleon just taking a nap. Just as soon as they seem cornered, the prehistoric Pokemon suddenly pause for a moment, before quickly running deeper into the cave, abandoning the fight. Team Rocket thinks it's a miracle, but Ash has his doubts. These doubts are proven valid, as an Aerodactyl swoops in, hits Charmeleon in the head, and then roars at the group with a really good screech. <laughs> like seriously, the Aerodactyl screech is great, the VA did an excellent job with it. The Dino then flies after the group, while Charmeleon yells at it for its injury. Ash, happy that Charmeleon wants to fight, lets the lizard handle it, only for it to get slammed into a rock and knocked out in about one second. Just as the group worries for their safety again, Ash hears Misty and Brock calling for him. As Ash yells back for help, the Aerodactyl grabs him in its talons and flies up with Pikachu and Charmeleon grabbing its tail. Misty, Brock, and a group of volunteers clear the exit just in time for Aerodactyl to fly out, with Pikachu and Charmeleon falling off, alerting the other two trainers about Ash being eaten. Jigglypuff, still craving to make the situation worse, sees a stepladder and some lights, viewing it as another stage. 
Misty then sees it and has an idea, asking for it to sing to the Aerodactyl, which it agrees to. Charmeleon, still upset at its injury, yells at the ancient bird, which taunts him for it. Filled with rage, Charmeleon then evolves, becoming Ash's well-known Charizard. Taking flight, the Zard rushes Aerodactyl, who stops just shy of eating Ash to flee. Ash is touched that Charizard would evolve just to save him, only to get hit by fire and realize that Charizard still hates him and just wanted to fight the dinosaur. Realizing that no matter who wins, Ash loses, Misty begs Jigglypuff to start singing, which it happily does. As a result, the Pokemon and people start to fall asleep. Ash begs Aerodactyl to stay awake or he'll fall before dozing off himself, while Charizard plugs its ear holes to stay awake longer. Ultimately, the whole crowd falls asleep, as does Aerodactyl, who drops Ash and then falls back into the cave, which recloses over it. Charizard, showing a small bit of mercy, catches the falling Ash, landing and falling asleep itself. Ash rolls off its back, wrapping his arm over an egg just laying on the ground. Jigglypuff sees the destruction it caused and begins to scribble on everyone's face before running off again. When everyone wakes up, Jenny enforces a gag order, saying everyone just collectively dream the extinct Pokemon and ceases all fossil digging due to dangers of cave collapses. That Aerodactyl sure didn't seem like a dream. Gary dreams the best, better than the rest. It's the best from east to west. Guess they're right. <laughs> Knowing that everything was real, the group laughed to themselves and continue on. Ash wonders where Jigglypuff went, saying it and Charizard were the heroes today. Ash then shows the two the egg he found, with Brock grabbing it from him and saying he'll take care of it. Ash demands it back, but Brock and Misty run ahead with it, Ash chasing after them. We end with another Team Rocket suffering closing, with them still being underground, cowering and trying not to wake the sleeping extinct Pokemon. Despite Aerodactyl being a dangerous predator that the others were scared of earlier, the other Pokemon are relaxing pretty well around it. The three then try to sing a lullaby, but James sneezes and marks them for death. I like this episode, it's a fun way to bring Charizard into the mix. Now, obviously, prehistoric Pokemon become less and less of a big deal as the anime series goes on, with even the first gym leader of Gen 4 having one. But since this was a time where they didn't anticipate that and were like, you can only bring one back from the dead, it was more important in this moment, and the anime does a lot to show that. There are a few oversights that this episode doesn't address, but it's easy enough to ignore them. Plus, we get to see that Charizard still maybe cares for Ash a bit, which becomes really important later. And we also get our first peek at our new lovable, marketable, troublemaking scamp, Togepi. Hey guys, <laughs> it's me, Intro Ryan, hi! So I hope that was an enjoyable episode for you all again. It would mean a lot to me if you told your friends about this silly podcast or followed, subscribed, whatever, on the system you're using. I don't know, it's different for all of them. Just do the thing that lets you know when a new thing comes out, because it means a lot to me. And I forgot to say it, but the support on the Porygon episode was so, so nice. So if you could keep that going, it would be so, so nice for me. Okay, begging period over. I'm sorry I had to sound like that. It's just, you know, that's how the algorithm knows that you mean it. The all-powerful algorithm. 
But I hope you have a great morning, day, evening, night, outside of space-time, whatever. Just have a good one. Bye.